you just need to step back and try to create the enablers and then then let smart people go and go in directions that you would have never thought that would be even possible. Hello and a warm welcome to the NLN podcast. The NLN is the Nordic Leadership Network. We're a team of seven leaders, coaches, facilitators and speakers. We help develop the leaders of today and tomorrow. We challenge teams to achieve high performance. We help companies to implement strategy and get stuff done so they can flourish and grow. Welcome, everyone. Uh, we are here today uh, to interview uh, a special guest, uh, Antti Vazara, which is the president of uh, VTT, which is the leading uh, research innovation in Finland. Hello, Antti. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Nice to be here. Hi, nice, there, nice to have you here. Nice to have you here. And we also have heard now David Goddard, one of our uh, network uh, members. Hello, David. Good morning. Good morning. And we also are joined by our special host, Nick Vertigans. Hello, Nick. Hello, Stefano. Good morning. Good morning, gents. Good morning, everyone. So let's kick off. Auntie, you have more than 30 years of experience in different fields. Uh, you started taking a PhD in technical physics. And then uh, after a while, you joined the dark side and worked as a management consultant at, M- at McKinsey. <laughs> After that, you started a career as an executive, uh, first in a software security company, then with Nokia in the mobile sector, uh, where you headed the business unit that brought us the legendary communicator phone. Uh, And after that, you got a three-year stint in the service business, uh, like in a global company like Tieto. And finally, in 2015, you went back to your roots, and you're now the president of VTT, which is the research center of Finland, meaning the heart of innovation of one of the most innovative countries in the world. Does that cut it? Is that you? It's, um, it's, it's professionally me, yes. I, I don't know if, if I joined the dark side when going to McKinsey, <laughs> but it was at least a different type of school that I went there. So, so lots of learnings from there. I see, I see. Good. So we, we have the right person on the podcast. Great. Uh, the, the first question I, I wanted to ask uh, is, uh, what, what do you think are the key differences in leading research organizations compared to leading product or service development organization, if any? Uh, you've been doing both, so I, I would like to hear your opinions on that. Yeah, so of, of course there are there are even lots of differences, but kind of like if you look at the why VTT exists or why a product or a service business exists, that that's very much the same thing. So, so we are also a customer service organization. Our job is to fulfill um, needs that customers have. For us, uh, our customers are businesses, companies, those kinds of things. But it's also the society at large. So that that that's perhaps then a already bit of, bit of a difference. Our owner is is the government, and and that um, the what they are expecting from us is actually not the dividend stream, but they expect an innovation stream in the society. So so that's where of course it starts to a little bit diverge from a normal company that that our owner is not like expecting that we, we pay back to them cash, but they expect them to see over a long time then the impact coming from the research that we do then that companies innovate, companies create new jobs and, and, 
and prosperity through that, but also then that the society at large gets gets benefit from science and technology in a way then that society works better or there's there's the citizens uh, have have more well-being that they wouldn't have had had uh, otherwise. Of course, then that where we where we also differ quite a lot from a normal company is then that we we do have more freedom in the sense that we can. We, we can imagine on one hand uh, topics that where we want to develop research, excellence, and collect, develop new knowledge. So we are a little bit like a university. But then immediately when we, have, when we are kind of like involved in that one, we always need to be thinking about then that who is going to apply this for some. So, so we are never, never doing anything just for the sheer fun of it, but the, we, we do always have in mind that, that this needs to be a solution to some, some problem out there. And, and in that sense, then, that we are sort of a good mixture between sort of an academic type, type then that we can, we can take a view or vision then that, hey, this is an interesting area, but then work like a company that, that we need to find an uh, implementation and, and innovation is innovation only when somebody is extracting value from that. Before that, it's just an idea. So it, it's in a way the best of both, both worlds, isn't it? It, it is, it is uh, or, or our job is to make it into best of both worlds. So, so of course, kind of like the, we can make it also worst of both worlds in a sense then that we just kind of like do research and nobody, nobody uses it or it's, it becomes sort of kind of like average stuff. So, so we use as our sort of a brand slogan uh, beyond the obvious uh, to both, both try to communicate then to the outside world that, that if you want to do something that extends your business or kind of like gives you new ideas, come to, come to VTT. But also it's sort of a challenge to our own people that, that there just isn't a market for average research. Nobody wants, no, nobody is going to ask for average research. So, so always when we do something, we need to be doing things which are cutting edge or a little bit go beyond then that what you can, what you would ordinarily get. And in that sense, remind our people also then that we, we need to be really, really good at what we do. We need to be world-class. So Finland's best isn't, isn't what we are after, but we need to be out there with the, with the world's best. Mm. Otherwise, we, okay. we can't justify our, our existence. Yep. Totally mm. understand. So it, it must be challenging to lead these this very smart people. Uh, I, I think it's the best part of the job. In a, in a sense that the, um, the, the, smarter, the smarter the people working in your organization are, the, the easier time you will, you will have. Of course, there is uh, kind of like in a, in a research organization, you need to justify things. So, so you can't just basically say that, do this because I told you so. Um, but but, but you, need to, you, need to, you need to inspire, you need to try to motivate people. But, it, but in a, many ways, it is also then that you just need to step back and try to create the enablers and then then let smart people go and go in directions that you would have never thought that would be even possible. And, and, and that, that's the reward, rewarding part that when you kind of like a little bit try to assemble that, that people have the enablers in place that they can go and do smart stuff. And then, then you come back in a few months or few, few years time and then it has blossomed there. That, that's really, really good feeling. Great. 
David, Nick, what have you heard? Lots, lots of stuff. Sorry, David, I'm going to jump in. Really fascinating stuff. Ante, first of all, you mentioned that you know nobody wants average research, average work. You need the best people. What's a tool or a tip that you could share with us on how you create the best people to deliver the best research? So I, I think where we have succeeded really well is that, that we are the people who work for us, they really have a sense of purpose. So, so when, you're, when you're at VTT and kind of we do high-level research and, and kind of world-class stuff, but also then that we are, you, you, you could say, challenge-driven in that we are looking for solutions to climate change or circular economy or how, how, the, how to handle aging population and kind of create well-being there and these kinds of topics it is easy to motivate or, 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 or we don't even have to motivate people, but people get motivated themselves that they understand that the work that they do have really a purpose. It is valuable. It is relevant. It is needed. So people are proud about uh, the type of things that they do. And, and I, I bet that it's easy to come home and tell that that this is what mommy or daddy is working on and kind of like explain them that, hey, I'm, I'm bringing solutions to climate change. And, and when you have a sense of purpose, uh, then, then people also start using their own brain. And, and yeah. kind of like then that their, their creativity gets a boost from there. And they know that the, if, it, if it takes us in that general direction that we do these solutions, then it will be useful. And, and then then you get the serendipity and things start moving in a direction then that the that you get something else that kind of goes beyond the obvious Ante, thank you what a great answer david goddard thank you for that answer Ante. i think that there's a rich discussion vein there that we've already had maybe we could go on to the the next topic which would be you mentioned societal or global challenges that we have like aging population for example and circular economy um, challenges to around um, the climate emergency and so forth how do you see that the given the the current opportunity that we have through the pandemic for change what are the challenges that we should be addressing in the future um, that would require more research and innovation yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, somebody was just saying then that everybody's always fighting the last war and, and kind of like then that I think everybody was geared for a new financial crisis and thinking about, okay, how do we avoid that one? And then boom, comes in a pandemic. And, and in certain ways, everybody has known that this can happen, but, but still I think that this, especially the sort of the Western hemisphere of the planet was a little bit caught by or or a lot caught by surprise then that oh geez actually a viral pandemic can happen so i i think that this will this will i or at least i hope it will lead lead to a boost in in how do we also prepare for these kinds of things in the future then that and then collect taking seriously antibiotic resistance and these types of topics that that um that we are actually not in, in, in the rich part of the world, we are not safe from, from uh, lethal diseases and, and dying. So, so even, even healthy people can go and die because of some, something like this. So, so I'm sure that the preparedness level will, will go up. 
at the same time, it is sort of comforting to see that how quickly the system can readjust. So I think that we will we will weather weather this storm, and we will figure out ways how how we how we first of all get rid of COVID nineteen or get it under control so that we can we can get a little bit back, more back to normal. But but the thing that I I do worry about is that that still that like like there are climate change deniers. They are similarly sort of pandemic deniers. So, so every time thing like this happens, there's so much energy put, being put into saying that, oh, this is not happening. We don't have to care about this and kind of like just trying to ignore things away. It's just a little and, flu, basically. Yeah, it's, it's just a flu. But, but in here, um, there, there's no sort of, um, uh, it, it's, it, it's much more easy to quickly react to this thing. And there's not sort of a hysteresis here that it, it kind of like stays in the system for long. But with climate change, by the time that it turns out to this level of crisis, it is way, way, way too late to do anything. Hmm. So, so now we are testing our resolve to do uh, really big things and, and really change the, the way things work before we have uh, water sloshing, sloshing at our feet. So, so we need to be able to do the things even decades before the crisis really hits. So are we capable of that? Does the political system adjust to that? Or is it then that basically we will notice then that the water level has risen and then it will take decades and decades to fix the situation. So it's basically unfixable by that time. So, so in a sense that do, are we capable of learning from these things or do we just kind of like just want to go back to normal and then then wait for the next crisis to hit and then then always react when it's necessary and not not when it's possible mm. and how have you reacted in vtt so um, when we were chatting just just before we came on air you said that uh, um, it's been possible to carry on pretty much as normal in the labs because uh, the office workers are out of the way. <laughs> yeah, let, you know, let, let us let us get on with our, our work. Um, have you been doing some some pivoting? You know, we've heard different guests talking about organisations that have changed what they're doing very dramatically, or is it just you know been be an opportunity to carry on deeper with research? So. So for, first of all, we we started out like mid March when when the when the proverbial thing hit the hit the fan big way. Then then we immediately started communicating to people that we have three priorities. Number one is that that we protect VTTers. So so our job is that that nobody nobody needs to get get sick sick because of this and and also then that we do our societal part that we help stop the spreading of the virus so that was clearly number one number two was that within the boundaries of this that we try to continue to serve customers as normally as possible so so then the police when you go and do work at home and and when you the selected people who are still at labs try to keep on uh, fulfilling customer promises as, as before. And third was then that, hey, let's do things then in a way, if possible, that that when we emerge out of this, we are stronger than 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 before. So so we keep on developing things uh, when we have more time, more or more space to do do that. And and I think that the the priorities worked well for the people because it it 
hopefully at least created sort of emotional safety in the sense then that we are not going to send them to we're not going to send them to a minefield and, and wish them luck, but it's sort of then that the first priority is then that everybody can stay healthy, but then trusted then that people can then figure out themselves how to how 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 to continue the work in the best possible way. So so we at least try to give people autonomy and 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 um, p- power to um, adjust their work in a way that it makes sense and and people have responded really well so so I, I i think that we have proven that we can be very flexible but also in a sense then that people people carry responsibility for the work that they do so they are they they want to do um fantastic work so so it, it's not the question of control but it's a question of then that you create the enablers and and people 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 deliver mm. Mm. thank you Ante. so so maybe now we, we also had a had a theme of um you know thinking about what you just said with your you know top three priorities for COVID 19 so thinking ahead what is the what is the balance that you perceive that we need to strike in terms of technical research and innovation versus behavioral and business model innovation. What is the balance there? Yeah, I've always wondered that are they even different things? So in a sense then that they are, I think they are commonly kind of like pitted against each other that kind of like you have to do either or. I, I think most good models include both. So, so in that sense, then that the the I, I don't think that there is sort of a general rule of thumb that you spend X percent on this and uh, Y percent on that one, but it depends on the cycle of innovation where you're going and the type of things that you're uh, doing. But but like we we just had yesterday uh, one one meeting with a customer and introduced some some of the research that we have we have done and they were I, I think they actually. Like, like also the research that we have done, but we also spoke about the business models that, that some of the things enable for them. So, so instead of just doing the same old, same old with a little bit better stuff there, then they could also kind of like it, it would, if, if, if they would have certain capabilities, they could change the way that they deliver value to their customers. And I think that that, that made, made even more impact their thinking so in a sense then that that also for a research organization like that uh, like us we want to deliver research as service and and that includes then understanding that how the value is being created so it's not just that we we manage to build a box that has wires sticking out from there and calc here use it but it's sort of the we understand that the the value that our customer is trying to create and then then fit it into that one and then also have, we have we have service designers working for us we have commercial people working for us who can think about the whole whole thing and that that i think is also what what needs to happen in companies that you don't you don't necessarily separate them mm. but you include mm. them all Mm. And in the end, innovation is about li- listening to customers. And, and it, it doesn't mean that you do what the customers want, but you do what the customers need. And that, that's, the, that's the art and magic, art and magic there. So, so and that, that's what people value. Excellent. That's a great the, answer. The, Thank the you. The Rolling Stones had a song about that. 
get, oh, oh, you, you don't always get what you want, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but it's also, also, I think that in the uh, uh, Stefano was was referring to my 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 misspent youth at at McKinsey in, in a sense that the how 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 also at McKinsey I I I did learn that that kind of like that you created the most satisfied customer when you had when you had exceeded their expectations by doing something that they didn't even realize that they needed. Mm. But then, then it becomes obvious. And, and of course, that requires listening to their needs and, and those kinds of things. And I think research and, and delivering aircraft engines or whatever, any type of business is the same, that, that you need to be thinking about that how you go a notch, notch yeah. beyond that what the customer asked. So what should we be doing at the moment then to emerge stronger that we can uncover those hidden needs? So I, I, I think that the, there's, there's a lot of discussion that do we go back to normal or is there a new normal? So I, I think that we, we need to free our minds from the past in a sense then that it, it will be a new normal that we're stepping into and we don't know what it is. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm an optimist, so I think that it will eventually be better normal that we, we step into, but, but still that it, it requires work. But for example, for research organization like us, it does emphasize the need then that, the, that we either need to find something that kind of like has, has immediate effect. So then that there's a company that's struggling after the economic crisis or because of the economic crisis. So how do we give them a boost immediately that they can, they can start growing their business or then that there is a company that's still doing well, but can't afford to be, be long-term that we are sort of there outsourced long-term or we, we, we can, we, we help them with a the long term so then that we can, we can extend their capabilities beyond what they are doing. And, and I think that that's same for all businesses to be thinking about them that the, that uh, try to step into the shoes of the customer and then understand mm-hmm. that, that what, what, if, if they are not buying now, it's not because they're trying to be evil, but they are limited by something. So can we, can we help them with that limitation or, or lessen it or remove it somehow? Lots of food, food for thought there. Um, Ante, I also wanted to ask you a question as well. Um, before we started recording, you mentioned that you've uh, also transformed into a part-time cook and cleaner. What kind of part-time cook and cleaner are you? <laughs> very very lousy one if you ask my kids so so of course now they're they're back at school so i my 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 tasks have 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 lessened there but the but um it, it is of course this that kind of like when you're when you're at home then then it, it's a new world that hasn't been necessarily exposed to me before because mm. i've been so much traveling at the office but 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 it is it is one of these that where you sort of struggle with then that the on one hand you are present and you're physically present but you're not necessarily mentally present because I'm mm. I'm all the time then then with the earphone or I've been for two and a half months basically earphones on and all the time staring at the screen so so the kids may be wondering then that how 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 does that make me make me more <laughs> present at home but it's also been interesting and, and rewarding to be at least a little bit more time spending with the kids during their normal yeah. normal normal daily routines which have not been that visible before but they're nice kids good 
Excellent. Excellent. Auntie, thank you for answering all of our questions today, including that one. Stefano, David, yes. any final thoughts or questions from your side? Yeah, I think Stefano has been very quiet. So I wonder what's yeah. going on in, in, in that uh, great <laughs> Italian brain over there. Yeah, I, I was really enjoying listening to Guanti. Um, it, it, it seems to pack all so much knowledge in, in, in such, such little time. So we, we heard about uh, mastery, purpose and autonomy and how VTT uh, enables that. Uh, we, we heard this kind of need of uh, um, doing research while at the same time thinking about how that research can change the life of customers. And then uh, we, we also heard about the uh, needed mix or, or maybe uh, just a position of uh, behavioral research, business model uh, innovation and, uh, and technical research. So th there was so much packed into, into this episode and into, into this interview that really I was enjoying. That's, that's why I was silent, not because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have anything going through my head. Uh, so it, it's, it's been a real pleasure, Antti, uh, to, to host you. you here. Yep, my pleasure. It has. And it's customary that we end our podcast with a quote. And the quote for today comes from Antivasara, which is, we should free our minds from the past. Mm. Nice quote. Thank you. Nice quote. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you It was a pleasure. I enjoyed it a lot. Hey, listener. It's Stefano here. Since you got until here we think that you might like the podcast. It would mean so much if you could leave us a five-star review and share this with as many of your friends as possible. This will help us be discovered and spread the news. Can you just take five minutes and do that for us? Thank you.